Hello, and welcome to the AgriFood Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. Hi, I'm Emily Hale. I am a produce safety technician with the Blue Water Conservation District, and I work with produce growers in Huron, Sanilac, St. Clair, Macomb, and Wayne counties. Hey, I'm Ben Phillips. I work with Michigan State University Extension on the east side of Michigan with vegetable growers. Hi, this is Jordan DeVries, produce safety technician for Nuego Conservation District. I cover Mason, Ottawa, Muskegon, Oceana, Kent, and Nuego counties. Today we're going to be talking about on-farm readiness reviews. An on-farm readiness review is a review of your farm's practices under the lens of the FSMA produce safety rule. And it's really a great way to prepare for any upcoming produce safety inspections. And it's also a great way to get in contact and meet your local produce safety technician and MSU extension agents who can help you prepare for inspections and just improve produce safety on your farm in general. When I've been on OFRRs, uh, my observation is that the growers who are um, who understand what the ORFRR is are usually uh, cleaned up, like they've uh, they've tried to gussy the place up a little bit, and sometimes that's because we ask them to uh, be doing something that shows us that they're being food safe, and I think a lot of them interpret that as clean everything up in- instead of doing. What I think most of us would like to see is just operating normally, but uh, in a situation where food safety is a concern, like washing produce or picking produce, um, just because we want to observe what it is that they do normally. And uh, sometimes how it's interpreted is we should do it very cleanly while they're here or not do it at all, but talk about what we do and uh, show them some of the stuff we use and make sure it's all nice and clean looking. Uh, and they do that pretty well because they can show us they can clean stuff. But as far as, um, you know, if that's how it carries when we're out there, it's hard to say. You know, when we go onto a farm, we're only going to be there for about one to three hours. And we're trying to find those covered activities and covered commodities that might show up to an inspector as an egregious activity. And our goal is to really help the growers discover those and be able to result in changing underlying conditions so that they don't come up as a surprise condition. Yeah, yeah. I think the growers that I've been on ORFRRs with, most of them have um, have understood it to be a little different from something like a GAPS audit. They understand that it's non-regulatory, which is, which is really important. And some of them see it as an opportunity to have some one-on-one time or more like three-on-one time, depending on how many people are on the OFRR, OFRR uh, to get some questions answered like on their property and with their equipment and their scenarios, and they, they really value it. So one common theme that we see when we're going out on on-farm readiness reviews is that farms um, are not necessarily uh, doing a great job of cleaning and sanitizing. Um, oftentimes we'll find that a farm is uh, 
skipping the four steps to cleaning and sanitizing and maybe just going directly to the sanitizing step and forgetting the cleaning and sanitizing. Um, so uh, maybe just misunderstanding throughout uh, the industry of what, what makes something cleaned and sanitized and what those four steps are. Yeah, so a lot of times when we're talking cleaning and sanitizing, farms like to sort of combine steps and we'll have a, a sanitizing step added to cleaning, maybe even um, adding a sanitizer to any rinse water. And so what we really want to see is four distinct steps there, where there's an actual activity of scrubbing to remove any dirt particles or uh, films on any produce contact surfaces. So the, the important takeaway there is that um, those things can be separated out in a SOP and we can have that training for workers be able to show that they're going to do four parts to a cleaning process. Um, what I have seen at almost every OFRR that I've been on is usually something related to the harvest containers not being clean. We do see a good amount of reuse of cardboard containers. And specifically, the most common instance that I see is cardboard bulk bins for things like watermelons or other types of melons, um, because it's a lot more economical to reuse those uh, bins. However, you know, if you are um, harvesting into those bulk bins, another option would be uh, a bin liner. Uh, a plastic liner that you could put in uh, if they're bin that needs to be reused. I would definitely add to that and say that bin liners are something that we don't see enough on on-farm readiness reviews. Um, it's really low cost, simple solution and can save growers a lot of time, even though they are adding some cost to the harvest bin process. Right. In verse a option of purchasing like a plastic bin, which can be really costly. Obviously those bin liners are a more affordable option for you. And I, you could use them to pack in the field if you had a sturdy uh, bulk bin that you wanted to reuse. I think it's important for a grower to understand that with, in specific, a diversified vegetable grower, for example, it's important to know that not all of the vegetables are covered by this rule and that those harvest containers can be used for vegetables that are not covered by this rule. And so it's not like a purging of, of their container shed or anything like that, um, but that they need to be selective about how they're used. And with new boxes, if they're cardboard, it's a, there's, a popular, there's a popular packaging system where you get cardboard uh, new and you pack directly into like the finished container that goes directly to the customer. Um, and that's something that is uh, done a lot. And it's important to identify when there's problems with that cardboard as well. You don't, you don't have the opportunity to clean it. It comes to you new, but you do have the opportunity to choose where it's stored. If you're ordering it in the off season and you're going to be building them up later and driving around with them in a field later, you need to be, um, you need to have your workers trained to have their eyes on those boxes and identifying when they're not good to use. And uh, when it comes to reusable containers, I think an important thing to think about is the, the cleaning steps that uh, Emily mentioned. 
and not just using sanitized water, but that you get, especially if you're on clay soils, you end up, if you, if part of your method is to set containers directly on the soil, what you end up with at some point or another is a container with the bottom caked in clay. And that stuff just doesn't come off very easily. Uh, not with brushes. It, it, it doesn't come off very easily with pressurized water either. You need to really use something like a sponge to really move it. And soap helps too. And I think the idea of adding a process of soaping down the bottoms of containers during the season before you can use them again, is a real turnoff to growers. And so when thinking about using those reusable containers, certainly cleaning is something you have to consider, but also think about how you're using them. How can you minimize having to get into a deep clean with them every time they're used? Should you be setting them directly on the soil? That's just going to increase the dirtiness and the need to clean them over time. So you may think of other ways to do that. I've seen some neat little, tra uh, what are they called? Carts, small carts that fit uh, different box sizes perfectly and they can be pulled along so they're not touching the ground that you can harvest into. And then, uh, then they get picked up and they move to a trailer that also isn't um, having much ground contact. And they're stacked in such a way that they shouldn't touch the produce that's underneath it. So these are th some things to consider with, with those harvest containers. So based on the OFRRs that I've been on, I have seen a lot of issues with condensate. And I, I see a lot of growers scratching their heads about how to react to it and um, be able to handle it. It's something that's systemic in that we have to worry about not only what forms the condensate and how to prevent that, but then if it is uh, on a surface and it's hard to not cause formation, how to keep it from dripping onto produce. So there's really two separate issues when we talk about condensate. Um, a lot of it can be handled with, you know, how we look at uh, how often the doors are open, maybe looking at automatic closures or springs for doors. Um, and then also trying to have uh, dehumidification or trying to have airflow within the cooler to reduce condensate formation. And then to, if there is condensate and it's something that environmental conditions make it so that we can't really do anything about formation, trying to um, reduce the drip potential onto covered produce, either by having shelving in there um, that's going to be a, a ceiling to prevent it from dripping, or even putting um, plastic sheeting on top of the produce itself. If you are using plastic sheeting on top of product, one thing that we did find with a farm that was doing something similar to that is that produce often comes out of the field hot um, and you take it into like maybe a cooler setting where you may have condensate um, and you put that plastic sheeting, sheeting on top of it. And with that product breathing in that cooler, you may actually get condensate on the underside of that sheeting. So um, that could be a potential uh, point of condensation as well. And keeping those sheets really clean or me maybe even placing a piece of cardboard underneath that sheeting to prevent some of that condensate from coming back onto your produce. I think it's a good point that pre-cooling is, um, if you can pre-cool a product, you can also, because it warms the air around it. So like, let's say peaches, mm -hmm. um, it's not just that, you know, you get hot condensate from the 
transpiration from the peaches, but the air that's like trapped in those boxes also can condensate. Yeah. So another thing that I see a lot of times on on farm readiness reviews is farms doing a really great job with deterrence um, in the field because they're concerned with crop quality and um, uh, deterring animals from entering the field. But maybe what we don't see very often is farms doing a really great job of monitoring uh, animal presence in the field and specifically looking for poop on produce uh, or in the production areas. As long as we're talking about pests here, I think there's an easy analogy to make that I have found works well for some growers. And that is that they're they're quite good at understanding what the threats are to their crop in terms of quality, like you said, Emily, um, the quality of if its appearance, essentially. And the organisms that we're talking about are pests as well. They're pests of humans, and they don't necessarily affect the visual quality of the crop, but they they do have something in common with crop diseases in that they're they're microscopic, you can't see them, and prevention is the entire game. Um, so much goes into disease prevention in crops that I think is overlooked as being a preventative measure. So these are things like sanitizing greenhouse trays. These are things like uh, staking tomatoes so that you get better airflow through the crop. And some folks might have just learned this out of habit from people they worked with or grew up with, but these are disease mitigation measures. And um, these aren't the pests of humans, these human pathogens that are hanging out on your crops are handled in such a similar way that I think it helps to to explain that and to talk about how these these organisms are managed in much the same way. You need to basically disfavor places in, in ways that they can proliferate, much like any other pest or much like any other pathogen of the crop itself. And a lot of the a lot of the techniques overlap. Yeah, having a good understanding of microbial risk and thinking about where are the uh, pathogens in the field and how are they going to get transferred onto produce is something that growers can kind of cross uh, coach between um, worrying about plant pathogens and worrying about human pathogens. To sign up for an on-farm readiness review, you can visit the MSU Agri-Food Safety website, look for the on-farm readiness review tab. You can just fill out some simple information about your farm, and then we can find a time to come out during your production season. Links to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes, which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agri-food underscore safety. Thank you to everyone for listening, and don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our Produce Bites podcast.